Welcome to Kingsway International Christian Center Tirona, where we are raising champions and taking territories. We are sure this teaching will be a huge blessing to your life. Feel free to worship with us on Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. at 1.30 Base Pro Mills Drive Unit 5354, Vaughn Mills. For more information, visit www.kicccanada.ca. Now, get ready to be transformed by the Word. excited to be in the presence of God this morning hallelujah just one person that's fine two people okay that's fine praise God all right more people hallelujah glory to God now this morning's message is going to be one of the most important messages that you will need ever to hear in your Christian walk Someone is listening and saying, no, even this pastor said, every message is the most important message. So, what exactly? But I kid you not, by the time we are done, you will discover that what we are talking about today is not, is not a Christianity issue. The topic we are going to be addressing today is an open choice that's clear in scriptures. You will decide to enter into it or you may decide not to enter into it. How many people here know the theme for the year in KICC, the vision for the year in KICC? 2018 is our year of, okay, someone whispered it, but let me help us. It's our year of uncommon presence and rest, praise God. And that theme is taken from Exodus chapter 33 verse 14. We started in July. So we didn't have the opportunity to discuss the topic of rest in January, uh, like I believe the other KICC uh, branches were able to dissect it, and they've been enjoying working in rest. It's been a wonderful year in KICC. There's no time to go into testimonies for now, but it's been a wonderful year. Our church has just been one week old, and in just one week, I have received testimonies from last week's service. People calling to say, oh, God has done this, God has done this. And it is my prayer that your own testimony will join in in the name of Jesus. What God is doing in this land, what God is doing through us, you will not miss out in the name of Jesus. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 14. Verse 14 is the main text. I'm going to take it from verse 12 and I will read blaze through all the way to verse 20. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. Verse 13, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Verse 14, which is our theme text for the year, says, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. I'm going to read it one more time. Some people miss the good opportunity to say amen there. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory, verse 19. 
And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. May the Lord bless the entrance of his word in Jesus' name. So today we're going to be talking about how to experience rest on every side. How to experience rest on every side. I believe everybody here has an idea of what rest is. Everybody has an idea of what rest is. In Christian circles, there's a couple of mis misconceptions about the concept of rest. And as I will show us, there are certain things that the day you become born again, you are entitled to them. There are some things that come automatic with your redemption. Okay, some of those things we've been talking about in the Thursday series is deliverance from sin, freedom from bondage, all of those things. But the conversation of rest is one that God has made a virtue that you access by choice. Hello? What that means is that you can be a Christian having a spiritual walk. You can be a Christian on your Christian journey and not enter into rest. It is extremely possible. And you can be a believer and you can choose to enter into rest. So the topic we are considering this morning is how exactly do I enter into God's rest? And how do I experience rest on every side? Praise God. Praise God. By the time we are done with this series in this month, I am sure that a lot of you will experience peace for the first time in many areas of our lives. The devil is very, 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 is a very, very devilish devil. Pardon my French. The devil is a, you, you find people who, they have peace in an area. They say, you know what, my marriage is working. My wife is amazing. My children are blessed. But finances, month to month, is just always a struggle. You find people who say, you know what, this money, we've got it. We are rich. We own properties all over. We have in Ontario. We have in New Brunswick. We have properties all over Canada. We have in New York. We have in Cape Town. We have properties all over the world. But there is, no, there is nobody that says daddy or mommy in this house. We've been married for over 15 years. We have no child and it doesn't give us peace. The devil has arranged it in a way that there is always something that there is unrest about. But the Bible tells us that by the time we enter into God's rest, because of his presence, it is all-encompassing. What that means is that this rest seeps into every area of our life. It is my prayer that that will be our testimony in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Very quickly, let's flip to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. At the Bible study on Thursday, I brought my paper Bible and then I was flipping pages. Today, I'm choosing to click and to swipe. There is no one that is more spiritual than the other. Amen? Praise God. Don't allow anyone to deceive you. That one is more spiritual. Praise God. From verse 27, I'm going to read from here. It says, Matthew chapter 11 from verse 27. Jesus, Jesus speaking here, the words I read. It says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now, verse 28 is where we are going to, and I want us to pay attention. Verse 28 says, Come 
unto me, in the NIV it says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 29 says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to read verse 28 again. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Let me read that in the message translation. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. When a man enters into a season of rest, when a man discovers rest, when a woman discovers rest, then the revelation of Jesus Christ as the Prince of Peace becomes real to that person. There are a lot of people in our world, they will pay anything just to have peace of mind. There are people who buy medications that cost thousands of dollars for one, one pill, thousands of dollars. In that moment, they will pay anything just to have peace. And our God is a peace giver. Amen. Praise God. Matthew chapter 11. Let me read from verse 11 to 13 very quickly. And then let's just delve right into the meat of today's message. Verse 11. It says, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. This is Jesus speaking. Yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? This is Jesus Christ speaking. So Jesus Christ says, all of the prophets, all of the messengers who have tried to, to, to suggest this message, all of them who have come before John the Baptist, of all of them joined together, there is no one greater than John. You know why? Because all of them prophesied of a day. John saw that day. Hello? All the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elijah, Elisha, any more prophets? Hosea, Agai, all of them prophesied about a coming Messiah, including David who wrote the Psalms. Many times you don't consider him as a prophet, but the book of Psalms is a very prophetic book with very clear messianic prophecies. All of them prophesied of the coming of the Messiah. John witnessed it. John baptized the Messiah. But Jesus Christ says, yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven, talking about you and I, we are even greater than he. Verse 12. Verse 12 says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence. And violent people have been raiding it. Praise God. How many of us have heard this scripture before? From the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered violence and the violence taken by force. Let me tell you where you heard it. You heard it in church. Let me tell you when you heard it. You heard it during prayer. Let me tell you why you heard it. Because they expected you to pray violently. Any, anything false in what I just said? Okay, thank God, thank God someone is here. 
So you hear things like every, every what? Padlock. In the presence of God, there is joy. I, like, I just like it when the people laugh in God's presence. We don't come here to squeeze our faces. So every padlock with squeezed face. Padlocking your destiny. Break, break, break. So while it is busy breaking, maybe he's breaking it well, he's not breaking it well. Then I say, wait, 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 wait. Then this scripture comes in. The kingdom of God suffered violence. Only the violent will take it by force. Brothers, sisters, violently, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. Praise God. Praise God. Thank God the Bible tells us what Jesus is doing and where he is. The Bible says he's at the right hand of the Father and he makes intercessions forever for the saints. If not, I can just imagine Jesus permanently like this. He will hear some of our prayers and say, but I've given them my word. Why are they not praying my word back to me? Why are they creating movie scenarios and all sorts? Why don't they just pray my word? Praise God. That's not what this scripture was talking about. This scripture is not about shaking your head. It's not about jumping when you are praying. This scripture is not about somersaulting. No. This scripture is about the end of an error. It says... Up until the time of John and the dispensation of the prophets, foretelling the time when a Messiah will come, the way we obtain things from the kingdom is by violence. Hello? It means that for us to receive anything in the old dispensation, we must sweat to receive it. Are we still together? Hello? So it means if you desire an anointing, that the moment you raise your hand and people begin to get blessed and begin to fall under the anointing, you will hear things like, men, brothers, there is going to be a need to fast for 40 days for you to have this kind of anointing. You know, one of our pastors I know shared this story. She went to a particular conference. I don't know if she was the one or another pastor was at a particular conference. And then the conference had an itinerary of ministers to, to preach. And they had foreign host ministers. They had some guests, uh, Nigerians, Ghanaian pastors. And just before it was time for the Ghanaian pastors to preach, they would go to the back of the stage, hold their hands, father, 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 move, 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 father, father, father. And then they would go on stage. But they noticed that when it was time for the other Caucasian ministers to come on stage. They just go to the back room. They take coffee. They take donuts. Take some chips. Just um, chew some gum. Take some mint. Go with their cup of water. Go to the stage. Preach the word powerfully. And there is a mighty move of the spirit. Hello. Do you know the difference? One is operating in the days of John the Baptist. And one is operating in the days of the kingdom. Praise God. One is operating from violence, another one is operating from rest. Praise God. Which one do you prefer? Praise God. But rest doesn't mean laziness. It doesn't mean we don't do anything. In fact, we actually do more in rest than we do outside of it. Praise God. Praise God. We need to seize from our mentality of works. 
We need to cease from our mentality of I have to do something to make God do something. Praise God. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of fasting. But there is a rest that God has brought us into that we experience, not because of anything we have done, but because of everything he has done. Let's switch very quickly to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, from verse 15. The word of God is sweet. Glory to God. It says, as has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? Verse 17, and with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was he not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? Verse 18, and to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? Verse 19, I'm going to read verse 19 three times until you get the message. Verse 19 says, so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. I'm going to read it two more times. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. I'm going to read it one more time. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Praise God. So the reason why somebody can be a Christian, the reason why somebody can be saved, the reason why somebody can be tongue-speaking, the reason why somebody can be demon-chasing and still not enter into rest, the reason why somebody can experience all of these spiritual experiences and still struggle and strive is because of what? Their unbelief. Praise God. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 4. Just flip to the next page. I'm going to read verse 1. And then I'll jump to verse 9 to 11 so that we see exactly what it says. It says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands. Somebody say it still stands. Do you know, do you know, do, do, do we understand what's going on here? The scripture is saying that God delivered them from Egypt. Took them through the wilderness on the way to the promised land alongside an invitation to enter into rest. A lot of them disobeyed, perished in the wilderness. But verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1 says that promise still stands. The offer is still there. People say, um, offer lasts while, how do they say it? While stock lasts or something like that. Offer valid while stock lasts. The Bible says that the offer still stands. The promise still stands. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful. Now, none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Jump to verse 9, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9. He says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God, God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. 11, let us therefore make every effort, tell your neighbor, say every effort, to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. So the Bible is telling us here, in fact, in the King James, I think it uses one of the most ironic terms or what people who study English will call paradox. It says, let us therefore labor to enter into this rest. How many of you have it like that in your Bible? We are the King James readers, yeah. It says, let us therefore labor to enter into rest. Does that really, really add up? You are talking about resting and you are talking about laboring. We are going to talk 
exactly on what that labor is. Verse 11 says, let us therefore make every effort, every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. Now, we, one of the points we made in the morning was that God made man on the sixth day. And what did God do on the seventh day? He rested. Meaning fully well that the first day man entered into was a day of what? A day of rest. The Lord made man, the Lord gave him responsibility, tend the flocks, take care of the, of the, of the trees, take care of the plants, tend this whole garden. But the man woke up, his first day of existence was a day of rest. Glory to God. Glory to God. It means fully well that we were never designed to struggle. We were never designed to struggle. Can you hear what I'm saying? You are going to need to tell yourself this truth. I was never made for struggle. I was never made to toil. We said it this morning. We are made to work. We work skillfully. We work creatively. We work by the leading of the Spirit of God. We bring distinction into our sphere of influence. But I was never made to toil. There's a difference. Glory to God. Glory to God. So the, the key equation we have to sort out today for the rest of the minutes we have and up until the other sermons that we have in this series on how to experience rest on every side is how exactly do I make this effort to enter into rest? How exactly do I ensure that I cease from struggle for the rest of my life? A lot of us have heard our parents say things like, my son, it will be well for you. It will be well for you. The battles I fought, may you not fight them. The struggle I had, may you not have them. How many of you have heard parents say stuff like that? How many of you desire for your children to live a different life than you have lived? I'm not saying a life that is discipline free or that is extremely pain free that they are just glazing no but many of us desire a different experience for our children yeah from today you begin to enter into the rest in the name of jesus and your children will continue in it there is no going back to that struggle life a lot of us grew up seeing our parents struggle some of us even still see people struggle some people work five jobs five jobs as they are leaving one place, they are calling the next place. I'm sorry, I'm going to be late. You've not even got into one of your shifts. You're already calling for the next one. They are going to be late. And then by the time they get home and all the paychecks arrive, they are like, oh my God, is this what I've slaved for? May the Lord bring an end to toy in our lives in the name of Jesus. Praise God. So the big equation here is that why did these people not enter into rest? The Bible tells us the reason. It is because of their unbelief. It means that the key that unlocks rest, which is a voluntary choice. Remember Hebrews 4.1. It says that knowing that this promise still stands, knowing that this offer is still there, stock still lasts, knowing that you can still enter into this rest, the key that makes you enter into this rest, if what prevented others from getting into it was unbelief, it means that the key that grants me access into rest is faith. 
Hello? Is the equation adding up? So the key that allows you to end, let me, let me tell you the, 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 the corollary of rest in the, Old in the Old Testament. The Bible says that God rested on the seventh day and he called it the Sabbath and he blessed it. That's a deep conversation. I'm not going to attempt to even go there today. But the Bible says that God made a law and told the Israelites, he said that work Mondays, not Mondays actually, first day of the week, let's not go into which day is the first day. First day of the week to the sixth day of the week. On the seventh day, do not do any work. Now, there are some people who, they are genetically designed to sweat. Such that if you tell them, sit down, let me serve you, they will not agree. Have you met people like that before? They go to buffet, not serve yourself, buffet that the waiter brings everything for you, but they must just stand up. They will, they will just get up. Oh, what do you need, madam? I need some water. Oh, I'll get it for you. He said, don't worry, I'll go get, get it myself. I'll just go. Some people are genetically engineered for stress. <laughs> we do not come and live that kind of life. Praise God. Praise God. So God told them, I know you guys love your animals. You, li you like to tend your cows. You like to plant. You like to harvest. But one particular day, don't work. And I'm sure they were like, how won't we work for one day? How are we going to survive? And God says, you know what? Let me blow your mind. Work for six years. And in the seventh year, don't even plant anything. They're like, boom. 24 hours, maybe we can believe you that you will provide for us. But a whole year of not planting. You know what the Bible says happens in that year? The Bible says that the trees of themselves yielded their increase. The problem is always unbelief. The problem with entering into rest is God, how? How am I going to do it? And that's when we now begin to think, this word of prophecy has been spoken concerning me. I have to help God bring it to pass. Every time a man or a woman attempts to help God, it results in disaster. It results in catastrophe. You never enter into rest by your own power. You enter into it by faith. Faith believing that God who has said, I shouldn't do this, is able to take care of me. Praise God. Praise God. Are we still together? The Bible now talks about the Jubilee. The Bible says that even all your slaves in that seventh year, let all of them go free. Then God now said, I'm not even done. Let's take it a step further. Seven times seven Sabbaths. In the 49th year, do everything you want to do. But in the 50th year, which is the year of Jubilee, I declare it a year of freedom. It means all the slaves go free. Anybody owing anybody, the debt is cancelled. Can you imagine that? All of this God did, not because he was teaching them to chill. It's because there is a type of it in the New Testament, which is us entering into our rest. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. I'll read from verse 19 to 21. Romans chapter 4 from verse 19 to 21. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Verse 19. Without weakening in his faith. This is Paul speaking about Abraham. He says, without weakening in his faith, 
he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Pause. Praise God. Praise God. Some of us, we've been taught that faith is denying the fact. Hello? So, you hear people say stuff like, if you have a headache, don't say you have a headache. Say you are healed. But if you go to the doctor and the doctor says, uh, hello, uh, why have you come to my office today? Are you, and the first thing you say is, I am healed. And then the next, if I'm your doctor, I'll say, oh, thank you for coming. Nice seeing you. Next question, right? Hello? So that reveals to us that faith is not denying the facts. Because the father of faith, who does the Bible call the father of faith? Abraham. And we are reading about him. So if the father of faith did not deny the fact, that means faith is not denying the fact. Hello? You see some people, they are broke. Terribly broke. Terribly broke. They need help. Oh, oh you say, my brother, how are you doing today? How is the family? How can I be of help? <laughs> we are blessed. We are rich. We are blessed. They've not eaten. We are rich. We are blessed. This thing is no muscle. <laughs> Praise God. So, faith is not denying the facts. It says, without weakening in his faith, that means that faith was intact. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old. And that Sarah's womb also was dead. Now, the word used there for dead, we have a couple of medical people in the room. The word used there for dead is the word necrosed. So it is saying that Abraham faced the fact that he was 100 years old. He was not a young man anymore. He faced the fact that Sarah's womb was not just past menopause, but it was necrosed. Do you know what necrosis means? It means it is decaying. Hello? Hello? How does a womb that is not just dead but decaying how do you even believe that that womb will carry a child? It says, verse 20, yet it did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Did you see that? Did you see that? Strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Verse 21 is the hallmark of the faith statement. It says, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Capish? Did you see that? That's faith. Faith is being fully persuaded that the God who has promised to bring me into this rest is able to. He has promised that this situation is not going to be permanent. I believe it. I am not denying the fact that I'm 100 years old. I'm not denying the fact that my wife is way past menopause. I'm not denying the fact that I don't know where the bills are going to be paid from. I'm not denying the fact that things look hopeless. I'm not denying the fact that the BP reading is high. I'm not denying the fact that the doctor says that there are just five more weeks. I'm not denying all of those facts. But I am fully persuaded that the God who has promised it is able to do it. Glory to God. That's faith. It did not waver through unbelief. Many times you see people trying to believe something and you're like, Father, I am healed. I am healed. Then the headache disappears. Then two minutes later, the headache comes back. And like, Father, Father, no, no. This headache, it is gone. In the name of Jesus, this headache, it is gone. No, you don't have to deny the facts. You speak and you stand on what God has promised. 
The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 5 to 6, it says, in fact, let me read it. Praise God. Romans chapter 10, from verse 5 to 6. It says that Moses writes this about the righteousness by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. Verse 6 says, but the righteousness that is by faith saith. Did you hear that? Hello? Hello? So Moses here says that there is a righteousness that is by the law. There is a kind of life that is by the law. The one that is in the old dispensation, the, the one where they get it by violence. All right? And it says there is another righteousness that is by faith. It says the righteousness by the law, you enter into it by doing. So you hear things like, do this, don't do this, do that, don't do that. It says, but the righteousness that is of faith, say it. It is a speaking. We exhibit this life and activate this faith by the things that we speak into being. Praise God. Praise God. So we are looking and building a generation of people who will not deny the facts, but will boldly say what God has said about their situations. People will not deny the fact that, yeah, maybe my mom has diabetes today, that is the fact. But the word of the Lord says that he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our pains was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. Therefore, because she is a daughter of the Most High God, she is healed, and there is no room for diabetes in her body. That's how faith works. You speak the promise until it becomes a reality. Praise God. The moment you begin to waver in unbelief, you are closing the door of rest. Hello? Are we still together? So Jesus Christ says, come. He says, take. And he says, learn. Those are the three key words there. Come unto me. Take my yoke. And then learn of me. Those are the three dimensions of rest. That I believe that by God's grace we will have the time to dissect next week. Praise God. Praise God. So what are some of the practical things we can, we can put to use in our faith? I, th I think before I leave this part of speaking, I need to tell us exactly how faith comes. Everybody knows this scripture. It says that faith comes by what? By hearing and then hearing by the word of God. The question is hearing what? Is he hearing music? Is he hearing news? Now, let me tell you, everything you hear builds a version of faith in you. Did you hear that? Some people miss it. I'm going to say it again. Everything you hear builds a version of faith in you. Not necessarily faith in God. If you hear the words of God, you build the faith of God in you. If you hear the words of a rapper, you build the faith of who that rapper believes in in you. All right? If you hear the words of the news, or now the economy is going down, how housing prices are skyrocketing, how if you're a millennial, you may never buy a home until you are no more a millennial. If you keep on following and imbibing all those statistics onto you, then it is building a kind of faith in you that supports that. But if what you're building yourself with is hearing of the word of God, faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God, if what you are feeding yourself with is spiritual words, spiritual songs, songs that tell you about who you are, Songs that tell you about what you have. Songs that speak abundance into your life. 
songs that talk about you being a blessing to the world, not just to individuals, not just to cities, not just to communities, but to, no, but to nations of the world. If that's what you are building yourself with, then that faith is coming by hearing of the word. Praise God. The second hearing is the hearing of what you speak to yourself. Hello? Hello? That is the equation that is missing many times. So you come to church like this, you hear a wonderful sermon that has been preached to you. The second part of that hearing equation is what you say to yourself. How many of you have listened to your voice recorded before? You've, you've listened to your voice recorded. Anybody? Did it sound like you? Unless you are used to hearing yourself. Maybe I, you're an on-air presenter or you are a record, uh, record, how do they say it? Record something artist. Unless that's what you are, then you are used to your voice. Even that, you are still surprised a bit. That, is that me? Do you know why? Because every time we speak, it is the other ears that are hearing us. Your inner ear hears your voice in a different version. So as I'm speaking to you now, I'm hearing myself in a different way from what you're actually hearing. Which is why when I listen to the recordings sometimes, I listen to the recordings of the sermon so that I too can be blessed. There are things that the Spirit of God says through me that I know in my notes. So if I also want to be blessed, I better listen to it. Sometimes I'm listening to you. I'm like, who is talking? Whose voice is that? Is that my voice? You know why? Because the voice that my inner man has registered is the voice of me speaking. In the same way, there is a hearing that is activated by you speaking to yourself in your own voice. It won't be a tape. It won't be any other thing. It will be you speaking to yourself and taking the bull by the horn, saying, this year, I enter into rest. Rest is no longer a theme. Rest is no longer a concept. It is my physical, real experience. In my finances, I enter into, the, into rest. No more debts. All my debts are canceled. In my career, I move levels. I am no longer stagnant because I have entered into the rest of God. You speak it, into, you speak it to yourself and then your faith becomes built. Praise God. Glory to God. How do you know a man who is at rest? How do you know a woman who is at rest? They have stopped trying to help God. Let me tap your neighbor and say, stop trying to help God. God told Abraham, through you will the nations of the earth be blessed. He got to a stage, Abraham had his own law experience. He, he had his time when he walked out of faith. His wife said, babe, the way we are going, all of these things, one servant will just take it. And Abraham went to God. He said, God, is he a servant that will inherit all my things? God said, no, I have promised you I'm going to give you a seed. Your own son. So the wife said, take my servant. That was an attempt to help God. And we said it earlier. I don't know why I'm repeating it. But every attempt to help God results in catastrophe, results in disaster. Another person that God told of something he was going to do was Moses. Moses knew he was born for a particular mission. He was born for a particular purpose. God was going to use Moses as the deliverer of his people. Moses knew that very clearly. But Moses felt, why are these Egyptians killing Israelites? And he went prematurely to activate what God had kept for him in his destiny. He tried to help God. It resulted in murder. Every time we attempt to help God, it results in catastrophe. Help me tell your neighbor, do not help God. God does not need your help. He is God all by himself, and he is a very jealous God. You know what jealous means? 
It means he doesn't want you to say you made it possible. He wants to take the glory himself and say, I did this. I made it possible for you. And that's what faith is, as we read. Faith is being fully persuaded that God is able to do what he has promised to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you enter into rest, you stop scheming. The number one schemer in the Bible, do you know his name? His name was actually Schema. Some people are like, who is Schema in the Bible? Schema. Judas is Schema. <laughs> Jacob, his name meant supplanter. The Bible says that in the womb of their mother, the prophecy had already come for. There are two nations within you. The older will serve the younger. Now, there was nothing they were going to do about it. That was going to be the case. But Jacob started doing all sorts until he himself became a broken man. As you'll see a lot in his lifetime. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Because of our time, I'll take one more point. One more point of somebody who is at rest, or a person, a man or a woman who is at rest, is that you see God as your source and people as channels. Did you hear that? Hello? A man who is at rest, a woman at rest, you see God as your what? As your source. And then you see people as what? As channels. It means that if Dr. Emmanuel signs me a check of $1 million, says, man, pastor, the message you preached today blessed me. I don't know, I, I just don't know how I can thank you. I just feel led to sign this check. And then he signs me a check of a million dollars. Do you know what a man who is not at rest will do? A man who is not at rest will say, ah, Dr. Emmanuel, God be blessed. You have done a big thing for me. Dance, 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 roll on the floor. Come and give testimony. And then when he sees Emmanuel the next time, he says, oh, please, this is your seat. That place you are sitting Never again in this church. You are never sitting there again. You are sitting beside the pastor from the dance spot. That is your new seat. That's a man who is not at rest. A man who is at rest knows that that, that gift was from God. And God used a channel that made himself available. So I will see him and say, God bless you, my brother. But his seat remains his seat. No special privileges. Because it was God that made it possible. Praise God. The moment you see God as your source you become disengaged from that sense of entitlement. Nobody owes you anything. Your uncle doesn't owe you anything. I know your uncle has promised you, promised you a job. When you graduate, let me know. And then you graduated. Like when you finish master's, let me know. You do the master's, go and do your PhD. How long will you continue to trust man for? Have you not realized that the strength of man at best will fail? When you enter into rest, there is nobody who can take glory for what God is doing in your life. You lose every sense of entitlement. You tell yourself, nobody owes me anything. Everything I have, God has made it available to me. He has used people. And he also used me to be a blessing to people. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. How many of us are ready to enter into rest? Why don't you rise up on your feet? And begin to bless God for this word that you've heard. Say, Father, thank you for your word that has come my way this afternoon. Thank you because I cease from all my struggle. I cease from all my scheming. 
I seize from all of my calculations, how I sit down at night and plot all of the tangents and the differentials of how God is going to bring his words to pass. And God is saying, just hold on to my word. Be diligent in what I have asked you to do. Be diligent in the places I have placed you, but hold on to my word. Brothers, sisters, open your mouth and say, Father, I hold on to you. Forgive me for my days of unbelief. The days where I believed that you couldn't feed me. The days where I believed that you couldn't take care of me. Father, I'm sorry. From this moment, I enter into rest. From this moment, I enter into rest. From this moment, I come unto you. From this moment, I take your yoke. From this moment, I learn of you. Father, as, I, as you have declared by your servant, that every person connected to KICC experiences your uncommon presence and experiences unusual rest. Father, we decree that that is our testimony. In the mighty name of Jesus, for all of us in this church, for all those who are listening to this sermon, Father, we cease from struggling. We cease from toiling. We cease from labor. But we make effort and we begin to enter into our rest. Everything you have said concerning us, Father, we hold on unto it. In the mighty name of Jesus, for those believing you for healing in their bodies, for those who have lived with pain for years, for those who are friends and family that have lived in pain for decades, Father, we bless your name because that pain comes to an end. We thank you because terminal diseases are being terminated. We thank you because pending debts are being written off. We thank you, Lord Jesus, because you are raising us up to your glory in a way that nobody can take responsibility for what you are doing in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, thank you, gracious Father, because we enter into this new week, a new man. We enter into this new week, a new woman. Thank you because we begin the week with good news. Thank you because we receive news from afar. Thank you because we receive news from near. Thank you because our families are blessed. Thank you because the works of our hands are blessed. Thank you because everything we lay our hands upon to do prospers. Because we know you are with us. Ah, Moses said we will not go except your presence goes with us. And you said I will go with you and I will give you my rest. Thank you, Father, because we enter into that rest. Praise and honor be unto your name. Praise and honor be unto your name. In Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Just one prayer point before we round up. I want to give you an opportunity. There is that situation in your life that has been resistant in infectious diseases. There are some, there are some organisms that are resistant to medication. There is a situation in your life. You go for a wonderful program. The anointing of God is moving and flowing. You believe God for five things. And you see four happen. There's just that one that even you, you've come to tell today. I say, well, God, maybe this is my cross and I have to carry it. I have to, I'm, I'm here to announce to you this morning, the only cross that matters is the cross that Jesus Christ died upon. Hello? So raise that situation before heaven, that stubborn one. And I'm going to join my anointing from this altar along with the anointing of our senior pastor for that prophetic declaration into 2018 that it is our year of rest. And I will pray that Father, concerning that situation, you can begin to open your mouth, you can whisper, you can kneel. God hears you. You don't have to shout it to him. God hears you. Say, Father, that's eating situation that has caused me pain for so long. 
Enough, Lord Jesus. I am fully persuaded that you are able to do what you have promised. Father, and I hold on to your word. Do it, Father. It is not difficult for you to do. In fact, it is me seeing that you have done it, not asking you to do it. Father, it is done, and I know it is done. I enter into that new day. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that God announces the seasons. He decides the seasons. God can wake up today and say it is winter. He can wake up and say it is fall. In the same way in the life of a man, God can speak that today is a new day for the rest of your lives. I speak into the lives of everyone here and everyone under the sound of my voice that we are entering into a new day. In the mighty name of Jesus, today is a new day. Yesterday is over. Our days of toiling are over. Our days of struggling are over. We enter into a new season of rest where we enter where a table is served before us. A place where all things are working together for our good, orchestrated for our good. Thank you, gracious Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Father, I will bless your name for your word. Thank you because your word has come to us this morning. Thank you because rest is not just a topic for us. Rest is not just a sermon for us. Rest is not just a concept for us. Rest is not just a bumper sticker for us. Rest is not just a window decal for us. But rest is an experience for us. We will be able to say that I heard the word of faith. It mixed with faith on my inside. It melted my unbelief. And I began to experience rest in this area of my life. Father, let that be our testimony. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you're able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think according to your power that is at work in us. We return all the glory unto you. We refuse to touch it. We refuse to claim or lay any hold to it. For it is you who has done it. It is you who has made it possible. Father, take all the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. And in Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Were you blessed this morning? You've had two loads of the word of God. 